T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning and welcome, everybody, to the morning briefing for Wednesday, February 21st, 2018. Super producer JQ is here sitting in the driver's seat because host Eric Dame is off doing some fantastic stuff for the veteran community, but unfortunately, it's taking him away from his hosting duties. So you get me all week. Ain't you just so lucky? Today, it's Wednesday, which means we'll be talking with the American Legion, and later on, we'll be talking with a man named... Uh, hang on, my email crashed. <laughs> uh, Jordan Kessner. Now, Jordan is a former is a former soldier, and he has technology he's developed that he claims could have prevented a tragedy. That's a bold claim. We'll talk about that a little later on. And right now, we'll talk about social media and how you need to follow us. We are at Connecting Vets on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. So make sure you follow us. You'll get the best, the latest goings on in the veteran community because we're on top of the veteran community because we are the veteran community. Helping you helps us. It's this whole big circle of life thing like they talked about in The Lion King. There's a lot going on in the news these days. Let's talk about something that's not directly veteran-related, but I think is of interest to a lot of veterans, and that is, of course, the the tragedy that happened in Florida last week and the resulting fallout. CNN is reporting that the Florida, House, the Florida State House on Tuesday rejected a ban on many semi-automatic guns and large-capacity magazines as dozens of survivors of last week's school shooting headed to the state capitol to turn their grief into political action. Lawmakers voted down a motion to consider the ban during a session that opened with a prayer for the 17 people killed by a former student last Wednesday at Marjorie Stone Douglas High School in Parkland. The vote in the Republican-dominated body was 36 to 71. Now, being CNN, of course, they had to note that it was Republican, you know, the evil Republicans, but whatever. And uh, Stoneman Douglas students in the gallery of the Capitol during the vote appeared stunned. Uh, Sherry Acrioli said it was just so heartbreaking to see how many voters' names were up there, especially after it was my school. It almost seemed heartless how immediately they pushed the button to say no. Now... Okay, I know we're all veterans, and I got to preface this by saying that I myself am a gun owner and an avid, an avid Second Amendment advocate. The only reason I don't have a weapon from every period of American war is because, hey, I got bills to pay and guns are expensive. That being said, we have a gun problem in this country. Now, let me first of all saying this is my views. These are my opinions. They're not connecting vets' opinions. So don't go on about how oh, connecting vets are a bunch of hippies. No, this is me is talking right now. We have a gun problem in this country. The problem not being the guns themselves, obviously, because you know, as they often say, guns don't kill people. People kill people. But the gun helps. And if you don't admit that, then you're blatantly denying reality. 
The problem is how are so many mentally disturbed and historically violent people getting a hold of these high-capacity, high-powered rifles? Now, it's, been, it's come out that the FBI, just like the Texas shooter and the Texas church, the FBI failed to recognize all of the warning signs. So they purchased the weapons legally. Now, in the, in the case of the Texas shooter, he was a, is a back conduct discharge from the Air Force. That should have barred him from buying a semi-automatic rifle, but he did it anyway. Because the background check didn't show that, because the Air Force didn't uh, didn't share the proper documentation with the FBI, and in the case of this, the Parkland shooter, again, it was just the FBI dropped the ball because the the information didn't get out there soon enough. That being said, as I said, with so many people who are disturbed and violent getting a hold of these high powered rifles, there's a conversation that needs to be had. Now, what form that takes, I'm going to cop out here and saying, I don't know. Is it banning guns? Probably not. That's probably not going to stop things. I mean, we ban drugs. People still do drugs, you know. But we can do common sense things to try to ensure protection of the American people. Things like, oh, I don't know, a three-day waiting period. That way, the FBI can do proper background checks on people. Like right now, if I walked into a gun store and said, I want that semi-automatic rifle, I would be out of there in an hour because my background check would come back that fast. Now, I'm not a good example because my record's squeaky clean because <laughs> I'm just such an angel. Well, as far as the FBI knows. Anyway, <clears throat> but the fact that it can just walk out the same day, how can the FBI or whoever, the ATF, or whoever, do a proper background check in under an hour. It's ridiculous. And I don't. I have failed to see one rational argument against that. Oh, well, it won't stop people who want to commit tragedies. You know what? You're right. Making them wait three days is not going to make them uncrazy. But it might be enough time for the FBI to do a proper background check and see if this person, oh, look, this person's crazy. He probably shouldn't have this gun. <sighs> I wrote an opinion piece on the Parkland shooting, which you can find on ConnectingBets.com. And in there, I mentioned that when these things happen, people always try to find blame. Now, obviously, the person to blame is the shooter. But we also, we have to look elsewhere because the shooter didn't grow up in a vacuum. He wasn't born a psychopath. Several things contributed, and I think that there's three things in this country that are make that are making these things happen over and over again. The first place I put blame is the media. Like I said, y'all know this by now. I'm a big heavy metal fan, and there's a song by Slayer that has a line that goes like this: "Like a junkie hungry for a fix of anything, the media devours it and feasts upon the inhumane." What that means is the government, the media, they can't get enough. They can't get enough. They want to show, you know, they sh always show kids from the school with microphones shoved in their face, weeping mothers and fathers that haven't had a chance to grieve, and most egregiously of all, pictures of the shooter everywhere. And that goes to the second part of the problem, which is us, the culture, the society. You know, again, going back to Slayer, there's a line that says, the beauty of death we all adore. And if you don't believe me, 
Go look at the TV. Our highest rated shows are all about people with guns running around shooting people. Go to the website LiveLeak sometimes. And right behind, you know, pimple popping videos and other gross stuff, you're going to see videos, the highest rated videos are about death, suicide, shootings, the infamous faces of death features. We we eat that stuff up. We idolize these killers. We, not consciously, but we make these killers immortal by remembering their names. You don't believe me? Here, try this. Name me five kids that died at Columbine. I'll wait. Can't do it? I didn't think so. But I bet you damn well know who Eric Harris and and Dylan Klebold are. The shooters at Columbine. That's the thing. We live in a society where serial killers have fan clubs. Where people mourn the death of Charles Manson. Where people will send uh, autographs, ask for autographs of serial killers from prison because we idolize death that much in this culture. And again, going back to the media, the media serves it up on a silver platter and we are but hogs to the trough. Now, I'm not placing all blame on us because obviously, again, this kid was mentally disturbed. And the Texas shooter was mentally disturbed. The Las Vegas shooter was mentally disturbed. So there's the pattern there. But the problem is when these kinds of people can easily get their hands on high-powered rifles, there's a conversation that we need to be having that we're not having in this country. Now, I'm not, like as I said, I'm not, I'm not one of these people that says ban all guns. I love guns. I want to continue to collect guns. But some measures, have, we have to do something. Even the Trump administration, who is historically very in favor of gun rights, is taking action. Um, we have a story on ConnectingVets.com by our own Matt Sainsing that says Trump moves to ban bump stocks. President Donald Trump announced on Tuesday he has directed Attorney General Jeff Sessions to propose regulations that would ban bump stocks, an attachment that allows a semi-automatic rifle to fire just as rapidly as a fully automatic one. Just a few moments ago, I signed a memo directing the Attorney General to propose regulations that ban all devices that turn legal weapons into machine guns, Trump said at a Medal of Valor event at the White House addressing Attorney General Jeff Sessions. I expect these regulations to be finalized, Jeff, very soon, said the President. Now, if you don't know, bump stocks, basically what they do is they harness the recoil of the rifle to make it fire faster. Like you pull it, you hold down the trigger and the recoil of the rifle against the stock on your shoulder forces it to fire another round. So you can get a M, you know, a civilian M4 or M16 variant and have it attach a bump stock and have it fire almost at the same rate as an automatic weapon. The killer, the shooter in Las Vegas used one of these things and he killed what? What? 58 people? 56 people? Yeah, 58 innocent people attending a concert in October. All the shooter has to do is hold his or her trigger finger while maintaining some forward pressure on the barrel and the backward pressure of the pistol grip, assuming that there is one. Despite allowing a legal weapon to fire close to the rate of a fully automatic firearm, the bump stock is not banned under federal statute and can be bought anywhere from $50, anywhere from $50 to several hundred dollars for one. Since the devices don't alter the rifle to fire automatically, they are completely legal for now. So again, what you're seeing here is the Trump administration reacting and doing something. 
Is it going to solve all our problems? Is it going to? Is the sanity fairy going to come down and sprinkle fairy dust on all the crazy people and stop shootings? No, but it's a step in the right direction because you got to remember we we have to do something. We can't just and I, and I get tired. I get tired of the quote unquote ammo sexuals who tell me the simple answer is oh well we need more guns. Really, you want a you want an un you want Teachers at a school to carry firearms. That's the kind of world you want to live in. Now, I'm in favor of certain things like metal detectors or more armed guards, like policemen, not like Blackwater or anything. Like I saw this thing that says, you know, President Trump should hire three veterans per school to walk around with firearms. No, 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 because as we've seen, veterans are not automatically perfect people. The shooter in Texas at the church was a veteran. Now, that's not saying that, of course, they go through background checks or whatever, but what I'm saying is we have to do more to keep kids safe at schools. And the longer, and I'm watching the TV right now, and CNN is still talking about it, and I'm telling you, the longer they talk about it, the more likely it is this is going to happen again. Because that kid's face, that kid, I'm not going to use his name because I refuse to use his name, his face is everywhere. All right. I apologize. My blood got a little heated. I had to vent my spleen a little bit. I apologize. If you don't like it, call us up. We Call us up at 844-499-8387. Tell me how much you hate JQs for the opinions he just said, blah, blah, blah. I don't really care. Well, I care, but I mean, my bosses will probably care. But, you know, that's the that's the freedom of speech, man. I can say with this, and you can call us and tell us, hey, I don't like that. I don't want to hear that again. And you won't say it again. See? It all works out. Now, there's another story I found on uh, Task and Purpose that also boiled my blood. American veterans say they're being abused in a Kuwaiti prison, and the U.S. government hardly cares. The story... <clears throat> excuse me. The story is about a Jermaine Rogers. He was a general dynamics contractor for the U.S. military and was arrested on quote-unquote BS drug charges. His punishment has recently been reduced from death by public hanging to life in prison. Now, by, by most measures, Rogers, 41, is a model American. He served his country for more than two decades, first in the Army and then as a defense contractor. He has no criminal record in the United States. In fact, his last job in Kuwait, which was managing the upkeep of military equipment on Cap Camp Arifjan, required him to have secret security clearance. Among his family, friends, and colleagues, there's no doubt he's innocent. They suggest he may be a victim of racial persecution. Now, going back further later on in the story, let me see if I can find it right quick. Um, There we go. In addition to Rogers and, P and Peterson, who's another person, uh, Tyrone Peterson, who was arrested four days after Roger, uh, there are three other Americans who Mateo says she knows for certain are in a central prison. All five are African-American, as are the two former inmates, uh, a man named Russell and an Air Force vet who did not want to be named, who spoke to task and purpose. Mateo says she can only recall one white American being held in central prison during the time that Rogers has been there, but just briefly. Russell said the only other non-African American he saw was Arab. 
Now, of course, with such a small sampling, it's impossible to prove the existence of institutional racism in a country 8,000 miles away. But it makes you think. I'm just reading the story, and it just oppresses me how the Secretary of State let me see, let me see if I can I gotta find this. It's a long story. You can read it on taskandpurpose.com. But basically, they raised uh the awareness to their uh uh hang on, where the hell was it? Hang on, I'm I'm just trying to find the place in the story. Here we go. They finally got the attention of Senator Richard Blumenthal where Rogers was born, who in October 2016 wrote a letter to then-Secretary of State John Kerry imploring him to, quote, investigate and demand fair and equitable treatment of Mr. Rogers. Blumenthal noted gross violations of due process and fairness in the conviction and sentencing, as well as diplomatic protocol. And several months later, Jones or Rogers' uh, sentence was reduced to life in prison. Now, Trying to find these, okay. Seven, okay. 17 items were confiscated from Rogers' apartment and all attested negative for illegal substances. However, this is very interesting. By that, he was so con the uh, a Kuwaiti lawyer was so confident that Rogers would be found innocent that he sent one of his assistants to sentence in the sent to the sentencing hearing in his place. By that point, however, this is amazing. A bag containing seven grams of cocaine had been entered into service. By a crooked cop, the lawyer would later tell Rogers' fam family. And on September 25th, 2016, he was sentenced to death by public hanging. Now, the tragic thing in this story is that you're not seeing any action from the State Department. And the problem is, because of our status of forces agreement, it seems like the Americans don't want to tick off the Kuwaitis too much, which is messed up because according to our status of forces agreements, uh, any U.S. military personnel have to be tried under American law and not Kuwaiti law. However, the question remains of does that uh, translate to... Uh, civilian contractors. We don't know yet. And and there we go. Uh, Sean McFate, a senior fellow for the at the Atlantic Council and author and author of the Modern Mercenary, says Americans don't get too fussed over wounded or dead contractors, unlike Marines. They're disposable people, so they get kicked to the curb. That's the price of outsourcing. I won't go into outsourcing. I mean, we all had. I mean, I know when I was in when I was in Iraq, my second deployment, we had a general dynamics team whose entire job was to change track on the tanks, something that we could per perfectly do by ourselves. These people were in Iraq, living on post, earning six figures to do one job once a month that tankers could easily do ourselves. But that 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 that's a whole other issue dealing with. Um, subcontracting and the role of contractors in the military uh, operations, but whatever. So yeah, you can read that story on taskandpurpose.com and it's really, it's going to depress you. And I got one that will, I got a story that will uplift you a little bit, a little shining light in tragedy. I mentioned this yesterday. Uh, Peter Wang, who was a freshman, 15 years old at Parkland high at the high school in Parkland, Florida, he was last seen wearing his uniform for JROTC, holding a door open so more students could escape 
and it ended up costing him his life. Now, I know we like to rag. When I was in high school, we used to rag on the JROTC. We called them the junior rejects on the campus. And, you know, we called them all names, laughed at uniforms. I was in JROTC for one semester, and then I left because I couldn't take it because I, w- I was too undisciplined. And then ironically, four years later, when I went to join the Army, that one semester got me PFC. I was a pri- I was an E3 when I came in because of that one semester of, uh, of JROTC. But anyway, it's Peter Wang, by all intents and purposes, died as a hero. And the 15-year-old was sentenced to, and according to Task and Purpose, Reddit was the key for veteran volunteering, veteran organizers to lead the charge in honoring Peter Wang's life. The online forum allowed military members to communicate about potential ways to honor the slain team. Everything from shipping medals and commemorative military coins to the Wang family to showing up to pay respects at Peter's funeral service in full dress uniform. The 15-year-old was laid to rest on February 20th, surrounded by friends, family, and veterans and current service members. He, along with two other slain JROTC cadets who were murdered at the school shooting, were posthumously awarded the U.S. Army's Medal of Heroism for acts of bravery. And here's the one that really got me, man. West Point presented Peter's parents with a class of 2025 admission letter for their son, who strove to learn, um, strove to learn among the university's ranks. And like that goes to show you how much we really like to honor heroes in the military, even ones that never served or in this case, never got a chance to serve. And it's, it's a tragic story, but it's, it brings a, it brings a good tear to your eye, you know, that again, a 15 years old and sacrificed himself to save fellow students. We, we, we hear about things like this, you know, upstanding citizens, like there's that whole uh, train, you know, the, the new Clint Eastwood movie, the 1517 to Paris or whatever about the three veterans that stopped uh, train hijacking in Paris or in France, wherever it was. And uh, we see things like that. But again, 15 years old. Y'all, when I was 15 years old, a freshman in high school, I would have been the first one out the door. And I would have been two miles away by the time the second bullet got fired. You know, but this kid, man, 15 years old, and he did that act of heroism and saved, possibly saved the lives of dozens of his fellow students and had lost his life in the process. So, Peter Wang, we at Connecting Vets salute you, and we hope that you, we wish you fair wind and following seas, as the Navy says, and we calm down. We have the watch, my friend. A uh, brief story. Uh, we know you'll hear more about this when I talk to the American Legion later on. But the VSOs have rallied around Secretary, embattled Secretary of the VA, David Shulkin. And there's a question of, is, the private, is VA privatization at the heart of the matter? Veteran service organizations are lining up in support of VA Secretary David Shulkin, who they believe is the strongest advocate against privatizing the Veterans Administration. Shokin has come under intense fire, including calls for his resignation in light of an inspector general report alleging misuse of funds to pay for taxpayer-funded trip for the secretary and his wife to London, which include comped tickets to Wimbledon. Shokin's chief of staff announced last week that she'd retire in light of allegations that she misled investigators. Shokin alleges that Vivica 
the I'm sorry, Vivica, yeah, Vivica Wright Simpson's emails may have been hacked to make it look like she acted inappropriately. Uh, and that's a dec- executive director, Joe Schinelli, who we'll c- talk to tomorrow, called on President Trump to give Shulkin, quote, space to do his job. Schinelli said in a statement, the VA Secretary Shulkin is learning a tough lesson in politics. If you want to make enemies, try to change something. But he will not be the only one who pays if the president allows the VA to be treated once again like a political football that keeps getting punted each time a new secretary is disposed. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, again, I would, we talk about this more in my talk with the American Legion, which we recorded yesterday and we'll be playing here in just a moment. But it really, again, again this is like it's being used as a political tool to try to dig out Secretary Shulkin by groups that are very small but very well funded by certain individuals that want to see privatization of the VA. That's what this is right now. And it's sad. It really is sad, I think, because the VA, Secretary Shulkin has done so many good things. So many good things have happened for veterans these days. The Forever Montgomery, the Forever GI Bill, the uh, Accountability and Whistleblowers Act for veterans. Secretary Shulkin has not, he, our own Jonathan Copanger rated him an F for his first year, but he specifically said that the tools are in place for him to earn an A this year. He's already fired a lot of people who were at substandard and subperforming hospitals and all these other things. So we hope here in Connecting Vets that he gets the chance to do his job. And we do our job by letting you know what's coming up next. The American Legion's executive director, Verna Jones, along with Joe Plenzler, are going to be talking to us. And later on, Jordan, who's going to tell us about technology he thinks could have stopped the tragedy. Morning briefing, back after this. Helping military veterans stay connected. We make it easy. We're CBS Radio's ConnectingVets.com. Connecting vets every day. Online and all over social media. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. At Connecting Vets. little cannibal corpse to start your day see again that's the cool thing when you get me hosting the show you get to listen to a little bit of metal you know it's kind of get you started get you amped up for the work day because it's wednesday hump day but you still got two more days of working to do so something to get you kind of jazzed up and ready to go welcome back to the morning briefing for wednesday february 21st 2018 super producer jq's here sitting in the driver's seat because host eric dame is doing some fantastic stuff this week but he can't host because of that so you get me ain't you lucky Anyway, I want to take this time once again, as always, to plug our social media. Visit our website. We are at at ConnectingVets.com, and we are at ConnectingVets on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. All the big four of the social media. Follow us. You'll know exactly when we post a story. You'll know the instant something pops off in the veteran community, and you'll know all the really cool tips and tricks you need to navigate your benefits and your life as a veteran. Now... We all know that tragedies happen, and some people say that they can't be avoided, they can't be prevented, and that we just, as a reality, we have to live with. Well, one man doesn't believe so. Uh, He thinks he's developed technology he says could help prevent tragedies. I'm talking right now with Jordan Kessner. Jordan, how are you doing today? 
I'm doing great, brother. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Now, how about we start this off by tell us a little bit about your history, your background. Tell us about your military career, when you got in, when you got out, all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, so uh, after I got out of high school, I uh, was planning on going uh, you know, to college and uh, continue to be an officer and do all sorts of uh, different things. But I decided to go ahead and go into the military um, beforehand uh, and then work my way up and then continue to do school and then become an officer and do it a little bit more of a, le- a legitimate way, so to speak. And, uh, and I end up, my military career got cut short, unfortunately. Uh, they found out a lot about having uh, an albuterol inhaler in seventh grade. So uh, be careful on that if you plan on going into the military. But uh, my entire career, uh, yeah, it was ended and I ended up being homeless. So I had to figure everything out. I uh, went and got my degree in exercise physiology um, from East Tennessee State University. And it's a unique college in itself because they have uh, an Olympic committee training site on their on their campus. And so I got to do my internship with the United States Olympic Committee. Uh, worked heavily with uh, sports technology, GPS monitoring systems, uh, VO2 max machines, force plate production, all of this uh, different high and advanced uh, technologies, which kind of led into what I'm doing now with my company. Um, so first of all, end up creating a uh, a like personal training company basically and was doing like personal training and nutrition and that's kind of its own heavy company in itself and then at the same time I came up with this wearable technology that was going to basically consume my life uh, so I had to make a decision and uh, the first one ended up kind of not really I wouldn't say as a failure what I ended up doing is turning uh, I was actually screen printing t-shirts in my living room so just teach you a little bit about the grind here. So uh, I was building my own company, screen printing my t-shirts in my living room, and also creating a wearable technology at the same time and uh, end up kind of dedicating to the wearable. So I had to push off the other company. And when I did, I decided to turn it into Operation Help Event, which is a nonprofit now for the state of Tennessee, where we help hire homeless veterans uh, that do some of our screen printing and, and various things. And we and what we really do is work with a company called Cardio Blessings out of um, Charlotte, North Carolina. And basically, we go and sleep on the streets like 24 to 48 hours at a time. Uh, we get one-on-one with homeless veterans, find out exactly what their needs are, and then start creating long-term solutions for that um, particular individual. Uh, Then it goes into transitional housing, and then we work with other um, various organizations like Veterans Pass Up, Operation Stand Down, um, the Mission Continues, and like a few other organizations to have this network that allows us to put them in a step-by-step process depending on where that particular veteran is located. So I was, whenever I was homeless, I had a unique set of skills, obviously. And so I I could have easily transitioned into a really good job. And so instead I just went to school and kind of figured shit out, but, or sorry, I apologize. I can't say that. Right. Um, (laughs) We'll uh, we'll fix uh, it in post. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, so we, um, I did that and, uh, and then, and then created this company in order to be able to help them transition. So I know the, step-by-step process and then we try to help work with other professionals like mental health and related things and uh, try to really correct PTSD and whatever we can do to provide some solutions and even skills training for homeless veterans. 
Okay, well, that's, that's a lot of good information. I got to work back and see what I can work with here. Uh, I do have a question, and this is for personal reasons. I'm wondering because I'm, I'm out now, so I can admit I lied um, to my medical examiner. I lied about being on Ritalin for 13 years. Do, do, how did they find out about your inhaler? Do you know? Um, actually, I don't. So it was between 2011, 2012. There's large cuts in uh, Obama had large cuts to the military. And unfortunately, instead of cutting a lot, he cut a lot with programs, but he cut a lot more with personnel. And I just get, I got wrapped up in that, I guess. I was by a civilian doctor. So here's the unique situation. It was on, um, it was at Fort Jackson on the base by a TMC doctor, like within the, you know, the medical unit that's a civilian doctor too. So the general couldn't even on the base, couldn't even override it. I had a, I was uh, scoring extended scale on my current PT test, had a 92 on my ASVAB and still got discharged. Wow, that's that's horrible. But I mean, it it's, it seems to have worked out for you because you've started this nonprofit. You started your own company, Stealth oh, Performance Communication. For a reason. Well, yeah, I believe that too. Now let's get down to the nitty gritty. Now, on your website, stealthperformancecommunication.com, you have a piece of technology that you claim could have stopped or prevented the Las Vegas shooting. Now, yes, if you'll if you'll allow me, sir, and I don't mean this in any offensive way, that's a tall order. That that's a bold oh, statement. Yes, it is. Now, wh- how do you back it up? Yeah, how do you back it up? Do, can ex, ex, can right. you ex, I know it's experimental technology. Explain to me what it is exactly, as far best as you can. Yes, sir. Okay, so um, first of all, we got to know a few facts about the Las Vegas shooting specifically. So, uh, roughly six minutes prior to the shooting. The uh, security guard within Mandalay Bay had intercepted the shooter and was in a shootout within the, the hotel. There was actually 200 rounds fired within the hotel prior to a single shot being fired at anybody in the concert, right? right. And the police weren't notified. So there was something, either A, a huge miscommunication and breakdown in, in, in comms, or there was a, a nefarious group working with the shooter that made this happen. So we have to kind of be able to take both of those into consideration. And then with our wearable, it works on, uh, you have to understand that we're not just a, a hardware company or a wearable company. We're actually a communication network or platform and that integrates with a specialized hardware. And so our hardware works on what's called a, a military encrypted ad hoc system. And so the ad hoc system is uh, a mesh network. So it bounces device to device as opposed to uh, a, a cell phone tower. And so a cell phone tower would bounce from a phone to a tower to a phone or to a, a phone to a tower to a tower to a tower to a phone, however it would bounce. And so like basically, what we can do is allow it to bounce the device to device in a localized network so that you can send one coded message from a single device and it bounces like an amber alert to every single professional within the entire city of Las Vegas instantly. So they would have all been alerted when the first shot was fired. And here's another cool part that this is something that uh, we just now started adding and uh, uh, a few things I can't go into, but just to let you know that we are, we have little tiny microphones that will be on the wearable as well that can signify a forensics of a gunshot 
and therefore you don't even have to push a single code because when it hears a gunshot, it will automatically alert the network. Wow, that's impressive. I mean, that's a lot of impressive technology. Now, did you develop all this technology yourself, or do you outsource? Because I know you, you said you built this stuff, and you're not just a hardware company, but, like, did you do the programming, or who are you working with mm-hmm. on this? No, that's all internal. And uh, as far as the creation and the design of the product, it's entirely my concept, and then I've built a team around it. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, I'm looking at the picture on the website, and it looks like it's a sleeve with a screen. So can you can you describe to me a little bit more of the, the features of this thing, like what it's going to have, not just in relation to the shooting, but what will it have available to consumers? Yeah, that's what uh, our website's pretty stealthy, uh, so you can actually see the the wearable, but it doesn't have any schematics on it. Um, that's there for a reason, so I uh, can't go into all the embedded electronics too much, um, but I can tell you some of the stuff that's on the surface. Okay. And there's also going to be multiple hardwares too. So like that's where uh, with the one that you see is going to be like more of our finalized product for uh, special operations units or uh, possibly SWAT teams, but more like special forces, Ranger Battalion, things like that. Um, we have uh, a lead weapons and optics trainer for Ranger Battalion that works for CACI that is uh, one of our main um, employees and we also are working with a two-star general currently Uh, so we're going to be pushing into potential dod contracts and so there's some things i can't really cover but uh, i'll let you know when i can't so the wearable itself uh, the screens are flexible electronics and so with uh, they'll be easy and seamlessly on your arm and the, the whole point of that is you don't want to have to pull out a cell phone you don't want to have to have a secondary situation so the wearables are are pretty unique our wearable is way more powerful than what we have right now which is called like a tethered watch basically so like the tethered system would be you have to have a cell phone to use it you see what i'm saying our device is completely separatized and so uh you you can send these coded messages that can pop up in your peripheral so let's say you have your weapon drawn and it's on your forearm then it's perfectly in the peripheral of your eyesight without being something that covers over your eye with like augmented reality which is very good but not quite where we need right now to put in front of risking lives so it'd be much better to have it and you could almost like call of duty for instance you have down in the corner of your screen so you can be playing call of duty and you choose when you want to look at the radar right right so you do the same type of stuff you can glance at it and then it would be it would pop up with the code that we have so you can just glance and look at it if you want to send certain codes um that's a proprietary system i can't really go into um but i'll let you know more about that when we can maybe they can do a secondary interview or something oh absolutely this is very cool technology i'm down with that now uh i assume this stuff is still in the developmental phase when do you think it will be ready for you know government contract or civilian uh sales what do you have like a timeline yeah we're we're pushing some uh, major things out that we're going to be doing for um Las Vegas uh, about nine months from now, potentially, if we finalize this investment. Uh, so this next round of investment will finalize R&D and we can be prepared for market in six months, uh, which if we get the contract that we want, would put us about five years ahead of the market because it would be with, uh, with you know, R&D within the government. 
Right. Okay. All right. Let's take a step back now because I'm reading the article about you or that you wrote on uh, uh, Huffington Post and a Warrior Within Athletics uh, fitness company. What can you tell me about that? Yeah, yeah, that's the uh, that's the company that was a failure. <laughs> ah, okay. We can yeah. move on if and, you want. Um, no, it's not necessarily a failure. What I'm put, I've got it on the back burner right now. Obviously, I got my plate full, so it's not something I can focus on. Uh, but I, I'm going to reapproach that at a later date because I've got a really good idea for an after school program for underprivileged athletes. But that's something that I'll approach at a later date for a secondary nonprofit to help find talent and help get kids off the streets. Well, that's great, man. Always a good thing. Now, again, looking at your website, there's a, uh, a segment with sport technology where someone from the NFL says that it, the te- it says, quote, I try to make sure it's the te- not tech for tech's sake. It's tech to make the game better, safer, move faster. How exactly does this thing that seems like military and law enforcement uh, technology, how does that apply to sports? Okay, so... Oh, I'm getting into things you can't talk um, about again. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 not too bad. Um, let me figure out how I can explain it. All right, so... We have, uh, we're going to be, okay, I can can tell you a little bit about the biometrics that we're going to be using, but I can't tell you a whole lot what I'm going to be doing on the back end with it, but I will tell you that that we'll be able, since we're taking real estate up for communications, you know, obviously we're going to have real estate on your arm taken up, uh, we can be able to collect, we obviously should collect biometric data because, or else, where else are you going to do it? You know what I mean? Because you're already covering up the arm, so might as well do it. Second to that, we can use it for certain long-term training situations, and that's about as far as I can go into that. And then um, uh, as far as the military-related stuff, we're going to have insight to chaotic situations. So we can start getting into – have you ever heard of a situation called flow state? Uh, yes. Okay, so we can be able to, what happens is uh, usually uh, when like, let's say miracle situations uh, play out, (laughs) there's a lot of flow state happening. And in order for us to be able to get better insight, we can be able to collect data in real time with events that are in synchronicity as opposed to try to recreate flow state. So we'll get real data about flow state. Then we can use that to help facilitate and recreate it in, um, you know, artificial terms. Okay. All right. That's uh, a lot of, a lot of techno jargon, but I understand that you got to obfuscate certain things. I get that. (laughs) Well, so flow state, specifically is like the like Kobe Bryant if Kobe Bryant scores like 82 points on a night and then scores two points on another night there's an obvious neurological difference between the nights and and that is because he's in a flow state one night which basically allows his brain to kind of stop working from a cognitive level and it goes reverts back to the automaticness which is like training right so uh he's so good that his lower brain has perfected the game. And then if you have to overthink stuff, then your brain is using too much power, which means that you make slower decisions. You get what I'm saying? So then therefore you can't play the game as fast. You're not connecting as quick and you're not making shots that are split second decisions as fast as you would if you were doing it just from a training perspective and you're in a flow you basically when people say i was in the zone and you do it in anything when you're working and all sorts of stuff that's considered flow state uh if you want to know more about that 
you need to uh, read the rise of Superman or watch at least watch a video on YouTube about it. It's awesome. Super awesome ideology and it'll help you out in the workplace. Okay. I'll definitely have to check that out. And it sounds really cool. Now, again, um, again, going back to the website, I see you're on the cover. Is that you on the cover of a magazine from Rio 2016? Is that you? Uh, that's not me particularly, but my company is listed on the front of the, uh, on the magazine because we're the top 50 most innovative sport technology companies in the world. Yeah, right. How did that feel getting, you know, being listed that much when your product isn't even on the market yet? <laughs> uh, it was, uh, it's good to know that uh, we're on the cutting edge of technology that allows us to catch the eye of industry leaders. Uh, once we get to the next level, like we have uh, an opportunity at a $50 million investment, but we have to bridge it uh, currently, which was uh, when we have basically the entire chessboard in place and uh, we're really working on the king's capital at this point wow that's uh, and then you're also on a sport techie which is one of the bigger sports technology websites and here's what i want to know with all the things that you can't talk about and i understand why because you know it's proprietary technology you don't want to get all the secrets out there but uh with all the things you have to keep secret have there been what are the challenges in marketing yourself and getting your name out there and proving to people that this is a real product that's going to exist? Um, I work in darkness because people can't hit what they can't see. So <laughs> that's just uh, I put some things out there. I get a little bit of attention when I need it, um, and that's uh, I'm going to rock the planet. Wow, that's you're all about bold statements, man. I can tell you, but I mean, looking at this technology, I could see how it will. Like, I want one. You know, we could we could literally replace the nine one one communications between professionals. Not like what me and you call into nine one one, but from professional professional, like police to EMTs and everything. So we can replace all of their communications on a more functional system. Our county's 911 system went down like a month ago. Um, we can replace all of that. It's all outdated systems. And there's a program in the Department of Homeland Security that we're actually really focused on, which is called the NGFR, and it's the Next Generation First Responders Program, and we're, we're perfect for it. Yeah, I'm looking uh, at the... At your, uh, what part of the website is this, the media part, and I'm seeing all these other technologies like the Talos weaponized suit and the tracking points guidance system site. And uh, do you like, do you partner with these other people? Like, is there a reason they're advertised on your website or is it just, hey, I think this is cool? No, that's basically, uh, this is the, the top guns in the, in the game that are going, that are going to be the future of, uh, not necessarily weaponization, but even protection. And so there's, uh, they're, uh, they're just on there because they're leading the game, and, and so am I. So whenever we can, uh, if we could partner, that'd be a great situation. I'm working for it, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, do you know, uh, are any of the other ones veteran-owned and operated? Do you know? I mean, not only am I asking because I like to interview them, but I also want to yeah. know because I know we've talked to Grunt Style um, and, like, uh, RangerUp.com, and they talk about this sort of friendly rivalry they got going on. I'm wondering if that same thing exists in this advanced technology realm. Um, well, uh, honestly, I've kind of stayed stealthy and I've been kind of flying above, and I'm going to drop a bomb on the industry, so not a lot of any. Not a lot of people know about me or what I'm doing, so uh, it's a, it's a definitely a tactical advantage for sure. 
Okay. Now, uh, this technology we've we've gone over how it's going to how it's going to affect uh, military first resp- military first responders and mm-hmm. law enforcement. Will it be available to the public at some point? Um, so yeah, we are working on some things for there too, like uh, certain applications. Uh, the only problem is, is if there's barrage jammers, which is why we work on a military encrypted ad hoc system. Um, the barrage jammers will go okay. Like if you look at the uh, presidential motor pool, the last one of the last vehicles has like all of these antennas sticking out of it, and what it does is it's sending out multiple frequency barrage jammers so that people can't like let off radio frequency bombs, and it blocks. Because it blocks your cell phone. So, like a lot of people, we use their cell phone to detonate a bomb and so it blocks all the radio frequencies so you can't, you know, attack the motor pool. So, the, those type of situations are also happening when crazy stuff hits the fan, basically. There's like this, there'll be a van or an SUV or something that has a barrage jammer in the back of it that you don't even see that are at all of these major events. And if someone starts attacking people and they think that it's going to be a a larger, you know, scenario, they, they jam everybody's radio frequency. It's not because they don't want you to communicate. They don't want the bad guys to communicate. They don't want them to let off bombs. And they're really trying to protect you because obviously they know that something's going on. So they don't need you calling 911 to tell them. (laughs) Right. Okay, so, so that's why it happens. So that's why we work on an alternative system to allow them to have communications using a coded message system, which is proprietary. And then we collect biometrics to give us insight on the situation, uh, which are two factored uh, or actually multiple factored. Something I can't tell you about, but part of it I can, which is where we'll get, like I told you, insight to flow state. But we'll also know, like, for instance, when this communication was sent, it was right at 30 seconds after a heart rate spike. Right. So that we know when it started and how long it took them to communicate or if they communicated at all. So if we get a heart rate spike and someone's dead and they didn't communicate, now you can hold people accountable. So lots of things are coming out of this. Okay, we're running short on time. But one last question I want to ask. Why are you doing this? Like, why develop this technology? Is it it a personal reason or just are you doing it for the greater good or what? Um, both. Uh, and I think that that's the, the future of capitalism is being conscious of and making things that are going to change the planet that will allow you to in, in your, yourself to live a better life. So find out your mission to, to change your position. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, uh, Jer- I'm sorry, Jordan Ketzner. Thank you. Kessner. I, I apologize. Yeah. My tongue just got no, away from me right there. <laughs> Yes, sir. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, sounds good. I appreciate the time. All right. Yeah. And uh, if you ever have anything, once you get closer to launch, by all means, please let us know and we'll have you back on the show. Yes, we have an investor six months, so I'll let you know. All right. Please do. Thanks for calling, man. Yes, sir. All right. You're listening to the morning briefing for Wednesday, February 21st, 2018. I'm super producer Jake Hughes. Thanks for hanging out today. I really, it really means a lot that y'all tune in and want to listen to all this, uh, all this nonsense that I spew. <laughs> But it's not nonsense. It's a lot of good information for you, for the rest of your fellow veterans and the veteran-adjacent people, because we are the veteran community here at ConnectingVets.com. And once again, thanks for hanging out. I had fun. I hope you did, too. So make sure you tune in tomorrow where we have uh, Joe Schinelli from the American, from AmVets talking about what their organization is doing. This is The Morning Briefing. I'm Jake Hughes. See you tomorrow. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 